Thank you, Pastor Herman. I always enjoy being here at NBCC. This is like a second home. Thank you for having me. And um, how many of you have been enjoying the Thrive series? I've been enjoying it. I've been following it. And I'm so honored that a uh, pastor would allow me to uh, speak on this series. This is something that is dear to my heart. Um, I want to shout out to the San Jose location and welcome you all to uh, this morning. Um, we just ended Black History Month, and we're starting with Women's History Month, and I stand at the intersection of both of those uh, history months. I am retired now as the sixth, only the sixth, African American to uh, occupy a position on the Superior Court of Santa Clara County, so I am now retired, and I am excited about that. I want to thank all of those uh, who came before me who allowed me to thrive, my family, my parents. Um, you know, I have my grandmother's uh, name stitched in the back of my robe so that I remember that every single time that I put on that robe that I didn't make all of these accomplishments on my own, but I was standing on the shoulders of others. So I just want to be uh, mindful to thank all of those who came before us as we celebrate Women's History Month. Amen. Let me say a little prayer before we start this morning, and then I'm going to jump right into this series. Father, I thank you for this day that you have made. I pray that you take the little that I have. I ask that you bless it, that you break it, and that you allow it to meet the needs. Amen. Amen. So the big idea for my message this morning, it is the power of presiding, but my big idea this morning is that thriving doesn't just happen. Just like success doesn't just happen. There's, there are very few things in life that just happen. And thriving is something that we've got to be conscious of if we want to thrive. So the first point for this morning is that God wants us to thrive. God's plan is for all of us to thrive, not just some of us, but for all of us. It says in John 10:10 10, 10, that God sent Jesus so that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. And that's not just for some of us. That is for all of us. So it is God's plan that we flourish and that we thrive. Thriving is a promise that is made to us, God's people. My second point, big point, is going to be that God gives us a path to thrive. So if it's God's plan that we, God's purpose that we thrive, then he has provided a path for us to thrive. Now, we're complicated people, right? Sometimes we're thriving in one area and not another. Financially, you may be thriving, but in your relationships, you may be suffering lack. Your career may be going great, but some other area may be uh, suffering lack. So this morning, I'm going to talk about the fact that we are complicated people and God wants us to thrive in every area of our lives. So there is a, plan, a path for us uh, that is laid out in the Bible for us to thrive. And the Bible tells us what we should think about. So first of all, it gives us, the Bible gives us the mindset that we need to thrive. And the Bible lays out the heart set that we need to thrive. So the mindset is what we need to think about in order to thrive. The heart set is what we need to believe in order to thrive. And then finally, um, we need a skill set. The Bible lays out very clearly for us what our skill set is in order to thrive. Now, 
Pastor Herman did lay out in the second week of this Thrive series uh, some of the things uh, that we need to do, some of the skill sets we need to have to thrive. And he talked to us about imagination helps us thrive, our God-given imagination. He talked to us about our habits, atomic habits that help us to thrive, those practices and spiritual disciplines like fasting and prayer. That's where the PF40 comes in and the meditation and all of those things. So he even talked last week about conflict resolution. So We've got our mindset, we've got our heart set, and we've got our skill set, things that have been laid out in the Word of God to help us to thrive. Now, as I said earlier, thriving doesn't just happen. We have to be good stewards over everything that God has given us. And if we want to thrive, then we've got to be good stewards. Now, that's the biblical principle of stewardship. Now, I'm not going to go into that. We all know the, 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 the principle of stewardship, but if you want to look it up later, the parable of the 10 talents, you can look that up in Matthew 25, 14 through 30, and it gives you the whole parable that's laid out about this biblical principle of stewardship. And the basic principle is this, whatever you steward will flourish and thrive. Whatever you do not steward you will suffer lack in that area. Let me give you an example. How many people in here would want more peace? This world is crazy, so peace is something important that we all need. And I'm sure that, like, like me, you've all prayed for peace. And we know that in Isaiah 26 and 3, it says, God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. Now, if you've ever prayed for peace but you don't have your mind stayed on God, then I got to tell you, that's not going to be the most effective prayer. When you put a biblical principle with your prayer, then you're more effective. So a more effective prayer might look like, Father, help me to keep my mind stayed on you during these difficult times so that I might receive the peace that you've already offered to me. Amen? Do you see how the difference of understanding the principle with your prayer makes a difference? For example, I could put some apple seeds on this platform and I could pray for them. And I could prophesy to them. And I could do a whole bunch of spiritual things with regard to these seeds. But the principle is seed, time, and harvest. The principle is, is I've got to put this seed in good ground. I've got to water it and then I've got to allow God to make the increase. So when we pair our biblical principles with our prayers, then we have a more effective prayer. That's one way to kind of manage and, and steward, uh, steward our thriving. This is a way that your, your prayers can thrive. Now, another word for stewardship is to preside. Steward means to preside. Now, as you all know, I was a judge for over 10 years and it was my job to preside. What I did is I sat in the big chair and I could see out over everything in the courtroom and people say that's a lot of authority, that's a lot of power, and it is. But what comes with that is an incredible responsibility. So what it means to steward and what it means to preside is to be responsible for everything that is in your jurisdiction. That's what it means when we preside or when we steward. It means to be responsible 
for everything, even if it's not my fault as a judge, everything that happens is my responsibility. So when you think stewardship, think presiding like a judge and think responsibility. Now, I want to talk to you about this parable, this earth, the parable of the prodigal son. And this is found in Luke 15, 11 through 32. I am reading uh, from the NIV. And I want to talk about what the parable demonstrates about presiding over our mindset, our heart set, and our skill set. So in this, in this uh, para uh, parable of the prodigal son, there is a rich man, and he has two sons. One of the sons demanded that he receive his inheritance, and he made a poor choice, and he left his home, and he squandered everything that he had on riotous living. So you can use your holy imagination and imagine what he squandered his money on. Maybe he gambled, maybe he drank, maybe he used it in lewd ways. We don't know. It just says that he squandered his money. So he made poor choices. But in addition to his poor choices, he also had some circumstances come up that were beyond his control. Say circumstances. For example, the pandemic came and that was beyond any of our control. So the this, this young man made poor choices, but he was also caught up in a famine that happened in the land where he, where he ran to. And there was a famine and it was hard to get work. He got desperate and he began to work on a pig's, pig farm. Now, working on this farm, this pig farm, was not just an affront because he was rich, not just an affront to his social status, but it was also an affront to his cultural upbringing. It was offensive for him to deal with pigs in this way and especially to uh, find himself in a place where he had to eat what the pigs ate. So let's go to verse 17. Let's pick up in verse 17 and it says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare and here I am starving to death. Here I am starving to death. Now, let's talk about this young man's mindset. A mindset is a habitual way of thinking. It's what you think about over and over again. It's a, it's a way of thinking. Now, scientists and psychologists are now teaching uh, a biblical principle that the Bible has been teaching for centuries, and that is it matters what you think. What you think about will determine the course of your life. So we've got all these books out there telling us that what we think about is going to determine the outcome of our lives. But if we had picked up our Bible, we would already know that because we would be familiar with Proverbs 23 and 7 that says, as a man thinketh, so is he. So the Bible is out front on this concept that our thoughts determine who we're going to be. Now, the Bible also says, in Philippians 4 and 8, it says, think on these things. It says, to think on whatsoever things are true, are honest, are just, are pure, are lovely, of good report, think on these things. Why do you think the Bible tells us to think on these things? Because these are the types of thoughts that are going to help us to thrive. They're the thoughts that are going to help us to flourish. When we have our minds on these types of things, we must flourish because wherever our mind goes, that's where our lives go. What we think about influences how we feel, 
and that influences what we do or what we do not do. So science is finally catching up with the Bible when it says what we think about is of the utmost importance. Now, let's go back to the scripture, and it says, verse 17, when he came to his senses. Wait a minute. Let's look at this a little bit closer. He said, my father is rich, but I'm starving. There was something that clicked in his mind, and he said, Something's wrong here. Now, we can ask ourselves the same thing. We could look at him and say one thing, but we, could have, we have to ask ourselves. Now, if I'm sad and lonely and broke and feeling despair, which are all natural things, emotions that we as humans go through, but if we stay in that pig pen too long, we've got to ask ourselves, wait a minute, isn't my father rich? Doesn't he own a, thousand, a cattle on a thousand hills? Isn't my father the one who promised me an abundant life? So just like this, this young man, we have to ask ourselves, we've got to come to our senses and we have to start thinking about what we're thinking about. Because what we think about determines whether or not we are going to thrive. Now, the prodigal son, his mindset of lack he left his home because he felt like he was not fulfilled and he wanted something else. He didn't have what he thought he wanted. He had thoughts of lack. And that led him to the pig pen, a place of the utmost lack. Now, let's look at this young man's heart set. Your heart set is your attitudes, your beliefs, your emotions, that lead to thriving. The Bible lays out the heart set that we have to have, the attitudes, beliefs that we have to have in order to thrive. Now, when it comes to the heart set, believing is probably one of the most important things that I can, that I can cover. If I said in this room, God is good, the whole room would say, yes. That's what you would say. God is good all the time. And if I said all the time, yes, God is good. That's what we would say. And we say that we believe God is good. The question is, that's what we are saying. I want to challenge us to make sure that we really believe that God is who he says he is and that he can do what he says he can do. Believing is one of the most important parts of your heart set. Now, Believing is a prerequisite to receiving the promises of God. If you don't believe the promises of God, or if you don't believe those promises are for you, you will not be able to receive them. So believing is a prerequisite for receiving the things that we pray for and the promises of God. So I just want you to remember that. Now, the Bible tells us in Mark eleven twenty four, 24, ask, believe, and receive, and the Bible tells us that all things are possible if we believe. I want to share a little bit of my story with you. When I look back over my career, and I'm retired now, but when I look back over my career, 15 years as a public defender and 10 plus years as a judge, I noticed that whenever my career was thriving, I was presiding. I was stewarding my mindset, my heart set, and my skill set. When I was in high school, 
I couldn't think of anything more that I wanted to be than a lawyer. That's all I ever wanted to be from as long as I can remember. And I remember getting good grades and being a good student. And I remember going to my, my counselor and I was so excited to share with her, yes, I want to be a lawyer. And uh, she didn't respond the way I thought that she would. She kind of crossed her arms a little bit and she leaned back and she said, you know, that's really admirable, that's really great, but why don't you try something more reasonable? And she may not have known it in that moment, but she crushed my little 15, 16-year-old heart in that moment because she didn't believe in me. Now, when I look back on this story, I don't have any ill will because I know that she, well, she, she liked me and I liked her. I think that maybe sometimes we put limits on people to protect them. Maybe she, didn't, she had seen many students not succeed and maybe she was trying to protect me. I don't know, but I don't have any ill will. But what I want you to know that in that moment, instead of getting to a place where I can't do this, it's not gonna work, I managed and I presided over my thoughts. And I said to myself, all things are possible. I had been raised in the church and I knew that all things were possible. So I managed my mindset. Now, in addition, in addition to managing my mindset, I had to, over the years, manage my heart set. I have had challenges and setbacks and failures. In fact, uh, I didn't pass the bar the first time, right? And when I went to get a job, I didn't get the job at the public defender's office, which may, meant that I had to be a receptionist at a law firm. Can you imagine being a lawyer and having to work as a, at a, as a receptionist at a law firm? And then the first time I applied to be a judge, I went through the process. It took several months. I told everybody about it. Everybody prayed for me. It was wonderful. We received it, and then I didn't get it. So I had several failures, and that's just a few of the failures and the setbacks that I had. But the two beliefs that I have held on to for my entire life, number one, God is good. Number two, all things are working for my good. So if I didn't believe that things were working for my good, I would have given up and I never would have tried again. So you've got to make sure that you're holding tight to that heart set and you're holding tight to the things that God says. And if you ask and you believe, remember, believing is the prerequisite for receiving. If you believe that God is good and you believe that all things are working for your good, you can thrive. So I'm happy to stand here at the end of a wonderful career and say that it wasn't perfect. There were ups and there were downs. But at the end of the day, I was able to thrive. Amen? Now, let's go back to the prodigal son and let's look at his heart set. Now, I propose to you that this son believed that his father was good. And the reason I say that is because he was willing to go back home. He was willing to go back to his father's house. So I believe that he believed, even though he didn't deserve it, he believed his father was good. He believed that it would work out for his good because he tells us that even if he had to work as a servant, 
he was going to go back. So even if it didn't work out exactly the way he thought it should, he was willing to believe that it would work out for his good. Amen? Now, I want to look briefly at the skill set. As I said, Pastor Herman uh, extensively went over the the skills and the spiritual disciplines and the practices that we need. Um, You know, he talked about our prayer, our meditation, our fasting. Um, And so all of those things are in preparation for us to act. Some of us are acting before we get our mindset and our heart set together. We're just doing things. But if we go back and we look at, and I encourage you to go back and look at Pastor Herman's uh, previous uh, messages in, in this series, when he talks about these things that we need to do, they prepare us for action. It's the skill set that prepares us. But at the end of the day, a heart set and a mindset don't do you any good unless you act. So what did the prodigal son do in 20 He got up and he went to his father. So the Bible doesn't say how long he stayed in the pig pen. But I would imagine that if I found myself or if he found himself or if you find yourself in a pig pen, that you would take some time to reflect, how did I get here? How long have I been here? And how do I get out of here? This is the difference. He didn't wallow there and say, this is my cross to bear. He didn't say, oh, I was evil, so I must have to stay here or God wants me here. He got up. And I submit to you that he did some reflection. And maybe he did meditation. Maybe he prayed. I'm not sure what he did. But what we do know is that he did get up and he did go back to his father. He successfully presided over his mindset his heart set, and his skill set. So let's be practical. What does presiding look like for us? What does it look like for me to preside over my mindset and my heart set and my skill set? Remember, presiding is simply being responsible for the things that God has given to us. And so the first part of, look, of presiding, what does it look like? It means being mindful You have to think about what it is you're thinking about. That's called metacognition. There are no other creatures on the earth that we know of that can think about what they're thinking about. So you can have a thought and you can go, hmm, what is this thought about? So we have the ability, God gave us the ability to think about what we're thinking about. And this is important because as we think about what we're thinking about, we have the ability to do the second part, which is take our thoughts captive. Now, this means that you can choose your thoughts. I know sometimes our thoughts are running wild and they're going fast. They're like rain sometimes, raindrops, they're coming. But the reality is that we can take our thoughts captive. In fact, in in 2 Corinthians 10 and 5, the Bible says we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised that against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive. So what this tells me is that if there is an instruction on it, we can do it. So this means that you have the ability to choose your thoughts. My grandmother used to say that you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop it from making a nest in your hair. That means thoughts are going to come. That's how the mind is created to work. However, you do not have to dwell on a thought that you don't like. I mean, imagine going to a buffet 
and you tell me that you hate Brussels sprouts, but you go through the buffet line and you put a bunch of Brussels sprouts on your plate and then you complain about the Brussels sprouts, right? It doesn't make any sense. The same thing with your thoughts. You are not your thoughts and you can choose them. And just because a thought comes to you does not mean that it is true. So I want you to be mindful about your thoughts and think about what it is you're thinking about. The next tool that you can use to preside is my favorite tool of all, and it is striking unwanted thoughts. Now, as a judge, when I sit on the bench, I can, if something comes into evidence and it should not be there, I don't have to fret. I can simply say, strike that. The court reporter will strike it from the record and it's as if it has never existed. So I started practicing that in my personal life when it came to my thoughts. Now, I'm going to ask you to do this with me. Um, when I say something, I want you to just yell out, strike it. I can't do this. Strike that. Exactly. I'm not smart enough. Strike it. I'm too old. Strike it. I'm too young. Strike it. When we strike these thoughts, we are presiding over everything that is in our jurisdiction. We are presiding over our mind. Remember that. So after you strike a thought, you can write a new order. You can put in place what you stricken. I can't do this. And you can put in its place, I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. I can do all things through Christ. I'm the head and not the tail. So after you strike a thought, you can replace it. You can write a new order just like a judge and replace that thought with what God says about you. Amen? Now, let's read these last verses and then we're going to close. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion and he ran to him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and let's what? Let's celebrate. So I want to end right here with this idea that it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if there is a place in your life where it feels like a pig pen because there is lack. It doesn't matter how long you've been there. It doesn't matter if you got there because you made poor decisions. It doesn't matter if life circumstances that were beyond your control caused you to get there. It doesn't matter how you got there. The question is, are you going to preside? Are you going to go back home? Are you going to come to your senses? Are you going to get up? Are you going to preside over your mindset, your heart set, and your skill set and go back to the Father? Now, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, I've done too much, there is no such thing. As you see in this parable, the Father ran out to meet his son, which is really interesting in this culture that a, that a father would run out to meet the son. But Jesus is waiting there for you no matter where you've been or how long you've been there. He is waiting for you to come, come back home. So all you have to do is come to your senses, believe that the Father wants you back, and then you've got to act on that. Now, I just want to remind you, God wants you to thrive. 
God has created a pathway for us to thrive. The question is, will you preside? Will you preside over what it takes, mindset, heart set, skill set, to thrive? Amen? Now, before I go, I just want to note for you that there is an opportunity during PF40 where you can practice your presiding. You can practice uh, your mindset, your heart set, and your skill set. I'm participating in the PF40. I gave up sugar. It's been difficult, but I have been presiding in this area, and I expect that there are going to be a lot of testimonies and a lot of praise reports coming out of this time of prayer and fasting. So you have an opportunity to join the fast. It's not too late. Make sure you go online and you find out how to join and uh, get the uplifting messages every day from uh, Pastor Herman. But with that said, I just want to say you preside. God bless you.